Today we're going to find out that God wants to deliver us. I, I believe from my kind of fatigue that sucks the life out of you. You know, God wants us, I believe, to live rested lives. And I don't want to really be misunderstood because I am, I'm not talking about a nostalgia that uh, looks for, longs for that slower-paced life. You know, the little house on the prairie kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, that's not coming back. And that, that is not where I would live, even if I could. I like living today. I like the pace. I like to live and work in a day and age when I can send an email to my friends in Japan and get a response right back. I like to text and chat uh, family. It doesn't matter where they are in the world. You can, you can connect. And I love the fact I could get on a plane and be in Florida in just a few hours. I like the challenge of many activities. I like strenuous pursuits in life. And in fact, I would go as far as to say that sometimes that fast pace, it's something really good. I remember several years ago, Cindy and I had just got back in the country and we landed at Houston Airport. And we had a short layover and we needed to connect to our next flight. And by the time we reached customs, we're doing this, you know, it's tight. And the line was moving along pretty well, pretty fast pace. And I'm thinking, it's going to be close, but we're going to make it. And then the custom agents, I'm assuming they were making a shift change. I don't really know, but the ones that were there were gone, and we had a new set. And so I'm thinking, okay, it's a fresh squad. You know, it's, uh, they're going to take their positions. I kind of envision coming down the home stretch, you know, the 15-round flurry at the end. Uh, and, and so I am all geared up. I'm expecting Speedy Gonzalez-type intensity, okay? What we got was Eeyore. I mean, everything just ground to the slow snail's pace that was just painful to watch. I mean, it, it went something like this. Passport, please. Where are you coming back from? What's the reason for your travel? Do you have anything to declare? And then I always love it because have your bags always been in your possession? Do they have firearms or explosives in them? I'm like, who answers yes to that? (laughs) But it it was slow. And finally, the, the guy that was being taken care of, he points out to the agent that her team is moving really slow compared to the previous team. Now, he used much more colorful language, but that is exactly what he was getting at, he was pushing at. And I love the agent's response. I mean, it would have been hilarious had I not been in the line because he got an extended, detailed explanation of how her team was adhering to stress, 
reducing techniques that they had learned in a workshop several months ago. And the whole time I'm watching, I'm thinking, well, it may reduce your stress, but I'm looking at all the travelers, and stress was through the roof. I mean, it had been amped up big time. Now, again, don't misunderstand me. I'm all for stress reduction stuff. And Cindy and I had plenty of time for stress reduction that day as we spent the night in the hotel at the Houston airport and uh, waited for our flight late the next day. But my point is there are times that we need to hurry. We need to pick up the pace. In fact, it is something that is absolutely necessary. It's a good thing. But I believe many in this room today, many in our day and age, have entered a pace that is toxic to the spirit. In fact, it is destroying your spirit. It is sapping the energy out of you. Some of you came in and just went, today. And you know, if your life is that mad run, if you are constantly running on fumes, if you are always trying to cram more into a day than you can possibly do, if you're always in increasing the speed, you're going to pay a serious price someday. In fact, you're probably figuring out your heart's getting smaller and you're getting colder. And your life's getting more and more shallow. At some point, you'll get self-absorbed. And I think that's why God, in the Ten Commandments, he, He takes this issue on and says, you have got to get a handle on this one. You have got to learn to live in a way that is God-honoring and is life-giving. One of the Ten Commandments says this, Exodus 20. It says, Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any what? shouldn't do any work. Now that commandment is, is tethered to the creation week. That God worked each day creating the world. God separated the the dry land from the water. God created the heavens and the the earth. God God created light and darkness. Sixth day, he created humankind in his own image. And scripture says this in Genesis. It says, on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. I find that very, very interesting because I expect the writer of Genesis to say at this point, on the sixth day, God finished his work. But it doesn't say that, does it? It says, on the seventh day, God finished the work. I'm thinking, well, what did God create on the seventh day? Well, friends, God created the Sabbath on the seventh day. He created a holy day, not a holy place, a holy day. He cr- created this sanctuary of time. 
And what is amazing is that God then rested from all of his work. Think about that. Do you ever think about that God needed to rest? Was God exhausted? No. I don't think that God got to the end of creation week and said, thank me, it's Friday. See, I believe God was ordaining, by example, he was establishing a rhythm for living. He was establishing this rhythm of work and rest, of activity and reflection, of production, and then gratitude in life. In fact, I believe if you don't establish a rhythm in your life, if you choose to kind of skim through, what you find is you skim through life instead of living life. You find that as you're moving forward, you skim on relationships. They stay superficial. You start skimming in your marriage. And basically, you shortchange it. Parenting, skim on that one. You know, postpone things, put them off, and before you know it, your kids are grown and gone. In fact, if you skim what you find is you start majoring in the minor things of life and you forget what's important. I remember several years ago, it's probably been 10 or 12 years ago, but it was one of those uh, moments that it kind of burns in your memory, but there was a little boy, the church I was pastoring at the time, that came up to me and I'd kind of built a friendship with him and he'd always tell me about school and everything. And he'd come up and he goes, Will you come to my ball game? Now, I knew that he didn't have a father in his life. And I'll I'll be honest, I looked at the excitement in his face and his eyes, and it was like, okay, where do I need to be? What time? And so I went, and it was the very first t-ball game I've ever been to. My girls, growing up, they didn't play t-ball. How many of you know what I'm talking about, t-ball? It's the bottom rung of a 20-step ladder to the major leagues. Yeah, it's only 10 if you play in Pittsburgh, but that's a whole nother thing. So, I'm a Pittsburgh fan, so. But the rules are different in t-ball. Everybody on the team gets to bat every inning. And it doesn't matter how many outs there are. In fact, outs are kind of, uh, they don't happen very often. The field's smaller, and you can have 15 or 20 kids out in the outfield and infield just covering. It's like a a sea of humanity, you know, just this wall. There are no such thing as errors, which is good because there are lots of them during a game. And every player on the team, if you were to stop them, they have a very different concept of what what the score is, who's winning, what's, what's happening. And the the thing that just boggles my mind, I'm watching, and the kids regularly leave the field. They're they're playing ball, but they leave, they go get drinks, they go to the bathroom, they catch a snack, they go over and sit on the bench. I mean, 
It's just bizarre. Parents go out on the field. They console their kids. They talk to them. It's, it's bizarre. No one pitches, and they put the ball on a tee, thus tee ball, and the ball waits and waits and waits and waits for somebody to hit it. The game I went to, there was a little boy on the other team, and I do not remember his name, but I'm going to call him Tyler. And I found out, I was sitting and people go, he hasn't had a hit all year. He hasn't had a hit all year. The poor kid hasn't had a hit all year. And so in T-ball, everybody roots for everybody. I mean, even the other players on the team root when somebody on the other team does something something good. And this little boy, he, he steps up to the plate the wrong way, they have to help him. It's quite an ordeal to get him turned around. He's trying to bat left-handed and he's right-handed. He, he was turned, turned facing, you know, has back, so he's going to hit the ball into the backstop. And they finally get him turned around and he swings and swings and swings and swings and swings. And finally, the ball, I honestly think it just fell off the tee, but <laughs> they go, run, Tyler, run! And so this little boy... He starts skipping toward first base. And people are, are going, run, run, run. Well, he's, he's out. And so he goes, and everybody applauds. The last at bat for their team, law of averages had to hit for him. There, at this point, there are no outfielders. Because what happens? They all start in the correct positions, but the outfielders start going, you know, all the action's infield. And so they creep up. I really think they just want to talk to their friends. And so everybody's in the infield at this point. He swings the bat, and he's shocked because he hit it. And it went over everybody's head. And everybody's yelling, run, run, run. He skips off toward first base. He gets to first, and he just stops. The kids are throwing the ball all over the place. I mean, you're like, watch. And everybody begins yelling. I mean, everybody's yelling. Keep going. Keep going. His coach goes, go to second. Go to second. He runs to second. Stops. Ball's still going all over the place. Go to third. He runs. At this point, I'm not kidding. Everybody is standing up. And they're yelling, go home, go home. Now, you would have thought it was the ninth inning, tie ball game, seventh game of the World Series at this point. And he starts running toward home. And all this craziness, nobody noticed there was an old mutt hanging out under the bleachers. All the excitement had woke this poor dog up. It's wagging its tail. And it's maybe, I don't know, seven, ten feet off the third baseline. Everybody's yelling, Tyler, go home. He looks at the crowd. He looks at the dog. He looks at the coach. He looks at home plate. Everybody's going, go home, go home. Little boy goes for the dog. And it went silent. Oh, I heard a moan over here. It went silent. I mean, it got really quiet. And when he hugged the dog, 
Maybe not as loud as we had been. But I would argue much deeper, deeper longing maybe. Definitely more heartfelt. It exploded with applause and cheers. The other teams clapping for him and he hugged the dog, you know. Two roads. Two roads from third base. And Tyler goes for the dog. Six days a week. The Bible says that we are to plot, we are to strategize, we are to be more productive in our lives. I mean, six days a week, we are to press it. Six days a week, the world will scream, run, run, run. Six days a week, we're to go for home plate. But on the seventh day, This is my translation, but I think God says, go for the dog. Jesus said it this way. He says, the Sabbath was made for who? Who? Humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. It's made for humankind. The Sabbath was created for you. It was created for me. It's part of the rhythm of life. And what I want to do today is challenge you to take the Sabbath seriously, to begin to actually observe, make it a priority, make it part of your life because it's part of God's grand design. I mean, how do you keep the Sabbath? Well, one of of the things about the Sabbath is you rest. The Bible says on the Sabbath, God rested. He quit working. The Sabbath in the Hebrew means to cease, to desist to stop, to rest. That's what it originally meant. We've come to know it as Sabbath being, being Sunday for many. For me, this isn't Sabbath because I work, but I take a Sabbath. But friends, to ignore the Sabbath comes with a cost. There are consequences in your life for not resting, for not maintaining, taking care of stuff. Anybody that knows me very well knows I am terrible with car maintenance. I mean, just terrible. It does not come naturally to me. I have to work at it. And I remember I was about 19, maybe 20 years old. I had a 1967 Camaro. Loved that car. But when I bought it, it was not in good shape. And that trend that I had kind of continued, and the worse the car got, the less motivated I was with it. And eventually, honestly, the car was falling apart. It, it, was, it was horrible. The, the hood was rusted on it. The back quarter panels, they were rusted all the way through. I don't even know how they stayed on, to be honest. I uh, had the passenger door. I used a towel and tied it shut. Had wire on the rear bumper. The, the tires were seriously bald on it. And I would go to start it, and it wouldn't start. And I'd have to mess with the steering wheel and finally get it started. And the really bad thing, when I turned it off, it keep running. You know, and finally it would choke itself out. It was like, <coughs> you know. 
And I, I'll never forget, I, I was out at White Oaks Mall in Springfield, and um, I parked my car. And it's choking itself out as I'm starting to walk away from it. And I always parked real far away because I knew nobody wanted to park near near that car. Or they'd be going, oh, no, that parked next to me. So I just parked away. And so I'm walking toward the door. And about that time, a about a 40-year-old Jaguar, you know, it might not have been that old, but it was really old. It pulled up. The guy parked it. And it, it looked like it had just rolled off the assembly line. In other words, vintage, beautiful, sweet ride. Could have eaten off the grill of this thing. Engine on it, it purred. And the guy got out of his car, and he could tell I was walking from what car I was walking from. And I remember saying to him something to the extent of, I had no idea someone could drive a car like that. And he looked at me, and he looked at my car, and he was a lot. He was an older guy. And he goes, I had no idea anybody could drive something like that either, you know. <laughs> and I think, what's the difference there? Maintenance. And probably $100,000, but, but maintenance. You cannot ignore maintenance. You... you Put it off and put it off and put it off, and it is just a matter of time. You will pay for it. God says, you know what? I'm going to give you an owner's manual. I want to lay out some maintenance instructions for you and for your life. You know, I created the Sabbath, and on this day, you are to rest. You are to stop. Rest the body. Rest the mind. Rest the soul. It is essential for your long-term health over the long haul you can't violate on this one. There, there's a process that happens within the, the Sabbath that allows you to restore balance to your life. It rejuvenates you, gives you energy. It allows you to regain perspective. You know, it's kind of like when the windshield gets so dirty and if you just clean it off, things aren't as bad as you thought. They get brought down to their proper size. There's something about being rested that allows your emotions to kind of recover. And the amazing thing that that the Sabbath does for us is get us in a frame of mind that God can use us. God says you need to have a day in the week where you simply don't work. In fact, it is possible to say no to overactivity, to a frenzied schedule. But you've got to quit just talking about it. You've got to quit just thinking about it. You've got to plan it. You've got to do it. And that's my question. Are you doing that in your life? Are you resting? Because this really is a trust issue, I think. Do you trust God enough Do you believe that God knows what's best? Or, in the back of your mind, are you going, my devotion to work, my success in life, depends on me doing more and more and more, and so I don't have time to keep the Sabbath. Are you keeping the Sabbath? Or are you breaking from the Sabbath? See, the Sabbath is... 
about resting. It's also about reflecting in, in our lives. The process of reflecting, I believe, is built in, again, to that process of creation. When, when God created, you read Genesis, the opening words, God worked. God worked. He created the heavens and he created the earth. And over and over, you have God speaking and it happens. He just says it and it happens. He says, let there be light. And there was what? Light. God said it and it was so. And here's what is very interesting to me. God creates light, and he doesn't plunge into the next activity. In fact, there are three lines that are repeated over and over and over if you read the first chapter of Genesis. And it says, and God said, let there be light. And it was so. And God saw that it was very good. God says, let there be trees and vegetation. And it was so. And God looked, and it was good. God says, let there be fish and sea creatures. And it was so. And God looked, says, good. God said, let there be cattle and wild animals. And it was so. And God looked and said, this is good. God stops. One of the amazing things about God, and one of the most frustrating things I believe about God, is God's never in a hurry. God could have created the whole thing like that. God could have said, I want everything, boom. But God doesn't do that. Hmm. God creates, and then he steps back and reviews what he's done. God says, that's good. That's good. That's very good. God reflects. Do you reflect in your life? Do you have time to reflect? It's the kind of thing that for me years ago, I realized I had to take time to reflect, and I I do. In fact, I make it just part of practice in my life. Many times, and you've heard me say this before, every morning I get up and I get in the hot tub. That's kind of my reflection time. And I just kind of crawl in and let the sound of the water take me to another place. There's no phones, no interruptions. And I rarely, rarely get in the hot tub and think, okay, I'm going to think about this today. In fact, I just get in and kind of go, okay, God, what do you want me to think about today? And usually something hits me. You know, the other day, just to give you ideas of the kind of things, I was just sitting there and it, it just hit me that how God's blessed me with my wife. You know, I realized how much she loves God and how much she loves ministry and how God gifted her and how we met and how she has supported me. Um, she would probably tell you put up with me, but anyway, 
I just thought about how much fun we have together. And I was thinking about, about that, and I was thinking about how she is with, with our girls and how she is with our, our grandkids. And then I kind of come back to that fearfully, wonderfully made. And, and don't misunderstand me. I know she's not perfect. But for a moment, for a moment, I think I had a sense of how God feels when God reflects on creation. Because it's good. It's really good. You know how God must have felt when God thought about you. When he thought about the possibilities of your existence. Friends, moments like that, they do not just happen. Moments like that do not happen when you move from task to task to task in your life. When you operate in kind of a mind-numbing obligation mode that's on overload. They just don't happen. You have to plan times in your life when you, you don't plan what you're going to think about, but you just say, you know what, God, I'm going to, I'm going to reflect. Show me. Make my mind go to whatever it is you would have me remember. Those are little Sabbaths. In fact, you can do what God did on creation day when he reviewed Everything that he'd done during that day. I mean, what, what do you do? What do you find if you were to open yourself up and say, you know what, I'm going to review every day? Well, what you find are moments filled with gratitude. Where you look and you go, you know, that was good. That was good. I made the right choice there. You, you find you connect to God. You find in those moments, moments that aren't so good, those times when you go, okay, God, I didn't handle that very well. Help me change. Help help me figure out next time that I'm in this situation what to say. You, You find areas where you struggle, you know, where you don't know what to do. And what, what you, as you're reviewing it, you're going, I have no clue. And maybe you just say, God, give me wisdom. And God will, I know that. Are you reflecting in your life? For some of you, this is going to be a huge challenge. Because I know on the surface, on the surface, your life looks impressive. But the truth is, things are kind of messed up. I mean, I think part of the reason we don't reflect and take time is because we can avoid the truth that way. You know, we don't, don't take and, and reflect where our life really is because we're going to come face to face with some things that are, are troubling. We're going to find that, that we're not thinking about God, that our soul is empty. We're going to find we don't even know our own heart. In fact, we've lost ourselves. We're going to realize that, that pride is driving us, that it's eaten away our soul. You know, we may realize that greed is dominating a, a otherwise generous spirit. We may recognize, if we were to reflect, that our conscience is kind of dull. That we've lost our sensitivity. In fact, you can get so 
lost, so immersed in sin. If you don't reflect, you fail to recognize it anymore. You find you don't know your kids. You find you don't love your spouse. You find that you no longer marvel at the wonder of life. I mean, some of you, some of you are successful. Maybe. Some of you are accomplishing a lot. Some of you are running and running hard. And some of you are scoring in your life. And you're going across home plate time and time again. But friends, you are spiritually bankrupt. And here's the worst part. You don't even know it. Because you're not willing to slow down. You're not willing to be still. Not willing to reflect. You see, the Sabbath is about reflecting. It's about recreation. You know, one of the things I love about being around kids is kids, they, they, they give us a wonderful gift because they know how to play, don't they? They know how to totally immerse themselves in play. They, they lose themselves in, in the joy of a moment. My grandkids, I talk about them often, but they just breathe life into me. And when they come down for the weekend, one of the things we do almost every time they're down is we play crazy frogs. And I've got crazy frog music on my computer, and so we crank it up. And the only way I can describe crazy frog music is it is kind of a uh, techno rave type music. It's, it has just got this fast, hard drive to it. It's got a rhythm that I don't care who, who you are, you find yourself just wanting to move to the rhythm, rhythm of it. And so we dance downstairs. And the kids take turns leading. And they get so jazzed about it. And it's always interesting because Isabella, she's the oldest, and so she'll lead. And we do a lot of marching, you know, and she likes hand movements and head movements and stuff. And, man, we just go to town. Ethan, Ethan, um, I just say prepare to get dizzy. He spins in circles. He does a lot of, uh, it looks like karate kicks and stuff. And, and so we, uh, we all get involved. Dason, Dason's the most interesting because how many of you remember break dancing? He's serious. I mean, he does handstands and head spins. And I would show you, but I'll, I'll end up uh, killing myself up here. But he, he does all this stuff. He flips and he does the splits. And Naya, Naya's two. And she tries to do everything that everybody else is doing. And it's, it's quite cute. And once in a while, she'll go, my turn. And she wants to lead and so we do a lot of stomping and, like, cat stuff and dinosaurs and all this. But here's my point. We dance until we are worn out. Everybody's sweating. I'm the only one that gets up hurting the next morning. But the grandkids give me permission to play. 
it, it hit me several years ago that I was in a very similar situation and I'm playing with the kids. And I thought, when did I forget how to play? When, when did I forget the joy of just being, just doing? You know, when did everything in my life get down to strategizing, you know, moving ahead? When did I stop experiencing the sheer joy of just being alive? And here's what I know. Some of you have forgotten how to play. Some of you need this more than you need anything in your life. You need to engage in some activity, some hobby, some craft, you know, some pastime, some game. Not not because of of some value it's going to add to your life. Not because it's going to give you another business contact. Not because it's going to make you more successful or move you forward in your career. Not, Not because of any of that stuff but because it breathes life into you, because it reminds you that your worth is not measured by your ability to work. Your worth has nothing to do with the production and your capabilities in your field. You know, that your worth has nothing to do with how many times you cross home plate. See, you go back, you go back to the creation when God created the the Sabbath. And I think God was going, hmm, I just want to enjoy all the aquariums I've created. So I think he probably picked up the Pacific Ocean. Just admired it, enjoyed it. The Atlantic. In fact, I think he picked up every body of water. God looked. I think he looked at the manatees. I think he looked at the sharks. I think he looked at the orcas. I think he looked at the seahorses, the minnows. And I think he says, God, this is God. Now, Scripture says that God finds joy, that he enjoys his creation. The book of Job says that God finds joy in the changes of seasons. C.S. Lewis, I like what he says. It says, our, our leisure, our play is a matter of serious concern. What activity breathes life into you? What is it that restores your soul? You know, is it a walk in the woods? Is it going for a drive? Is it just listening to music? Do you love to cook? Have a nice meal? What is it? You know, is it an athletic contest, no holes barred, you know, that breathes life into you? Sometimes people go, why does the church do sports stuff? Well, this is why. It's also a great place to connect with people, but that's why we do aerobics. It's why we do softball and bowling and basketball. I'm so jazzed basketball starts back up this week. And for me, that's my getaway. So school's in session Thursdays, 630 It's just, it's my place to get away. Sabbath keepers are involved in recreation. And Sabbath keepers are about remembering, remembering. God says, remember the Sabbath and keep it what? Holy. Remember the Sabbath. On the seventh day, remember what matters most. 
On the seventh day, remember who you are. On the seventh day, remember why you were created, what you were put on this earth for. God says, remember I created the universe. You didn't make it. It doesn't run according to your words, but mine. Remember, I created you. Remember, I saved you. Remember, I am at work redeeming the world, and you're a part of that. You know, Sabbath keepers remember, and I wonder, do you take time to remember? Do you take time to remember? Because when you do, God screams, I love you. God says, I sent my son to die for you on the cross. And I want you to remember that. Sabbath keepers Remember, when they get together, like we are this morning. It's what happens in small groups through the week. What, it's what happens when we are singing, when we are praising, when we are worshiping, when we open God's Word and we're studying, whether we're doing it in a place like this or in a small group or just by ourselves. It is one of the most important things that we do. Is remember. When life gets tough, and it will, you remember. When life is sweet, you remember. When life's uncertain, you remember. Remember that God loves you. Remember God wants his best for you. Remember God has a plan for you. Remember God has a way and a path that he's laid. And friends, here's what I believe. When we remember... It changes us. In fact, you cannot remember and not be changed. And most of all, I want you to remember that God wants to restore your soul and the rhythm of the Sabbath. I challenge you. You know, which, which part of the Sabbath you've forgotten in your life? Maybe you come in here today and you're just fried. Maybe life's dealt you a pretty good punch. You gotta lean on all those things. You gotta rest. You gotta remember. You gotta recreate. And you need to take all those steps in your, in your life. Let, let's stand and have a word of prayer to God. God, we praise you. You have created fearfully and wonderfully. And God, we thank you for the gift of the Sabbath. And God, I pray that uh, we'd make sure on a regular basis that we just unplug, that we learn Learn how to restore, allow you to restore our soul. God, I thank you that every Sunday we, as a church, are able to just recall and remember who you are, what you've done. God, open our hearts to your ways. Help us to ease off the pedal. just to live life the way you intended.
give you the glory. We give you the praise this day and every day. Amen.